Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And you know, the thing about Rihanna is, you know what, she could pull it off, but uh, she could she could be nine months. The body's still incredible. It's just <laughs> But now you're going to have a lot of women. We're seeing this right now. Threes, fours, frankly, trolls wearing the same see-through shirts. And I, you know what? I hesitate to say whales because I know the whales. I'm very popular with the whales. I do great with whales. You know, they come up to me on the beach and they say, thank you, Mr. President. You know, the blowhole's blasting away two, three hundred feet in the air. It's how they salute me. Okay. Welcome back to Mr. President. That Trump impersonation the guy does on Saturday Night Live is so... Good. It's oh, just yeah. mind-boggling. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the whales, I do very well among whales. <laughs> I did like the feature they had on the news where they had uh, one of their cast members, who I guess is actually pregnant, angry at the whole Rihanna pregnancy thing. And I thought that was really good. How many women who are pregnant or who have ever been pregnant enjoy seeing tiny little celebrities wearing their sexy pregnancy clothes? Is there any woman that enjoys that at all or just makes you hate them, hate them, hate them? Yeah, I think probably the latter. I've not asked a pregnant lady that question, and I don't re- recommend you do either. <laughs> no, no, neither, neither do I. I, am, uh, it's, uh, I became a parent 12 years ago today, my oldest son's birthday, and um, somebody uh, texted earlier, you became a parent almost 13 years ago today, and that, that's, you know. I get that with the whole pregnancy and everything like that. But what you just said about Rihanna, yes, the whole pregnancy thing. Do not, if you've not had kids from the man side of it, do not underestimate what a pregnancy is for you. Also, mm. it is a it is a big deal. As a friend of mine put it, and I don't know if this is true or not, but kind of makes sense. Uh, your, your wife changing the way she does during pregnancy is like nature telling you something big is afoot. <laughs> Pay attention. Things are about to get really different. Son, over here. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> Which might actually be true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of kids, I came across this on CBS Mornings. Who, are you? Are people like this exist? Are you struggling to talk to your children about the crisis in Ukraine? We'll help with blah, 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 blah. Are there, there are really people that like need all this outside help with these things? Maybe I guess I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, I guess so. We're so into it. I don't. I don't know. I don't. That's kind of a standard of whenever something troubling and terrible happens. And around I always the globe. think the same thing. You can't deal with this on your own. You need to go to some morning TV show to hear an expert explain to you how you need to talk to your kids about the tornado or the weather or Trump or whatever. All right, go ahead. <laughs> the weather. Um. So Senator Marco Rubio, Senator Marco Rubio said yesterday, this is about the whole no-fly zone thing that has been quite the topic of conversation recently. A lot of people don't know what a no-fly zone no-fly zone is. They don't understand. They just see it as a catchphrase, like it's a law you pass, and all of a sudden there's a no-fly zone. It means the willingness to shoot down and engage Russian airplanes in the sky. It means World War III. Okay. Well, Ian Bremmer tweeted out, and I thought this was really good, because I don't know where I am on this. I've gone back and forth. That's a bit of a leap by little Marco, but I'll give you in the floor. NATO establishing a no-fly zone over West Ukraine would be an escalation by NATO and a dangerous move. Much riskier than sending major weapons systems to defend Ukraine, sharing intel on Russian military, and destroying Russian economy? Unclear. Worth discussion, says Ian Bremmer. 
Yeah, well said. I agree. So, so the Wall Street Journal said, and their their editorial board said, let's. How about we stop telling Putin the things we're not willing to do? And I feel like we've just given Putin so much leeway with defining the terms. So you've defined the terms of you don't get to do this or it's World War Three. Okay, well, do we do we have some agency in this? You well, don't yeah. do this, or it's World War Three. Right, right. It's definitely, and 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 I don't know for sure. This isn't the right strategy. I'm not, you know, going to try to sell you that I know everything. Yeah, good, good thing I heard somebody say the other day, which we should say all the time. Everybody should point out these are not easy questions. Anybody right. who's writing or screaming on TV or the radio like it's clear cut, you didn't do this or that, is just full of crap. These right. are tough calls, all of them. Yeah, well said. So I, what I was going to say is it seems to be the classic trying not to anger the aggressor any further, which is a limited use, limit, has limited usefulness because aggressors count on that. Secondly, if we agree as NATO or the Western world or whatever or the United States um, says, we are going to furnish Ukraine uh, with what they need, but not direct engagement of U.S. troops. Well, then several of the things we've discussed are not direct engagement involving U.S. troops. And the idea that three of them are okay, but two of them, as Ian Bremmer points out, that are not any more significant or severe, that's too many of them. We probably shouldn't do that because it might anger Putin. That's an interesting, you don't want to be on the back foot in these things. Part of it, I think, is the hesitancy of Western politicians because Europe has, for the longest time, indulged in this fantasy that not funding NATO, not beefing up their armed forces, that was the way to get peace on the European continent. And they were right for a while, but anybody with any sense or any grasp of history understood that that was, that was a clock a ticking. And it was just a matter of time until somebody said, you people are weak and decadent, I'm going to exploit that. And sure enough, Putin already has. Plus, you have the mishandling of the Afghan invasion. You have the, the, the disaster, the debacle that the invasion of Iraq turned into. And you have a United States that's on its back foot and doesn't want to make a mistake. We're, we're kind of over or we're one for four in the last, you know, 25 years or so, 30 years. So, uh, yeah, we got to be careful. Let's not do too much here. Well, and you got a crazy old fart in charge, too. There's that. Yeah. Pull that bad and care. care. There's always the hindsight is 2020 on these things, like I'm picturing cops with a belligerent person. And if you follow one of these where a cop shows up and is able to de-escalate, it's hailed as clearly the right choice. You got mm-hmm. there, you didn't. You could have escalated it, but you de-escalated it by not confronting him. Then when they go the other direction, clearly you needed to, you know, engage stronger with this person. Sure. And uh, it's a similar thing with, uh, you know, countries. Um, Ross Duthat on the New York Times saying, hey, we didn't get involved in the Hungarian uprising in the 50s or the Czechoslovakian uprising in the 60s or when Russia invaded Afghanistan and we avoided nuclear war through that difficult period. And that's why we shouldn't have a no-fly zone here. I took in enough politicians and, like, high-level pundits. I don't mean just, you know idiots on cable news or radio or whatever, but like your high-level policy-making type pundits. 
And there are enough people f- getting close enough to the idea of a no-fly zone. I feel like there's like a 25% chance at some point NATO does it, and and the, and and it's more of a message of okay, we're doing this. You don't stop flying your planes and bombing these refugees, and you've started World War Three. I think there's a chance it goes there where it flips. Of uh, okay, do you want to blow up the world? You've been you've been telling us, do you want to blow up the world? Because you're going to blow up the world if you get in my way. Well, now we're flipping it on you. You get in our way, and we blow up the world. Yikes! Either way, the world gets blowed up. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't if one side backs down. He's counting on us backing down. At some point, we might yes. have to count on him backing down. All these people who say no, he's a rational actor. Well, I guess you'd find out. Yeah, it would be nice because a no-fly zone is a big step, sure, involving direct engagement of NATO troops. Uh, can we find a half measure? And I realize the term half measure is kind of an insult, uh, but can we can we do something else that's not quite that big and see what happens? Because I, I mean, to the the Czechoslovakian Hungarian uh, you know examples you gave, it's a horrific thing to contemplate. But if we just keep doing what we're doing, Putin gets most of Ukraine. He's sitting on a hornet's nest for the rest of his life. It's a shooting gallery for Russian troops. It is an insurgency that just is, is bleeds Russia dry. Are we better off? We, the people of Earth, NATO, the Western world, etc., are we better off doing that than uh, rolling dice to some extent and becoming more activist in preventing that that nightmare? It's a difficult, difficult question. It's a tough call. I wonder if there's anybody in Biden's orbit pushing the no-fly zone like there are any arguments i mean biden was the one guy in the room that didn't want to go in and get bin laden right so he's probably not the most likely to try to do something risky right yeah i'm not arguing for it i don't i don't know that it's clearly a good idea i i do think we need to stop announcing things we're unwilling to do so unequivocally i would agree yeah Nothing is off the table, Vlad. By the way, so I mentioned the... Although you could say nothing but nuclear war. We will not engage in nuclear war. No way. Not a chance. We won't engage in first strike nuclear war. Fair enough. Um, I brought up the idea of those stickers people put on gas pumps. Stickers of Joe Biden pointing to the pump and saying, I did that. Come on. Um, Apparently, companies get fined you get fined as a gas station if you have those stickers on your pump so that's why they go out and scrape them off really but then we got a text from somebody said hey i bought a hundred of those joe biden stickers for five dollars on ebay the other day i put them on every pump i go to (laughs) (laughs) you're keeping some low-level gas station employee busy exactly you're giving something to do you give me a laugh you know i'm gonna stressful day run around my kids get a little gas (laughs) oh look at that Right. A humorous, humorous sticker on the gas pump. <laughs> Unemployment, yeah. late. Guy. Unemployment <laughs> rate continues to go down. It's a win-win. The, the, the sticker salesman can feed his family another day, right? We should talk more at some point about this whole idea of corporate America going to war, even if the country doesn't. How does that work? That's a new thing in the world. What? And are we going to completely change the whole international monetary system to use it to punish bad actors? Who gets to decide who's a bad actor and what might the usual suspects do about that? Now, that's getting a little eggheaded and 
an econ 401 on you, but uh, But it's an interesting question. What are the unintended consequences of that, for crying out loud? Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I need to explain to you what's going on here. You got a TV host, like a cable news show sort of thing, uh, somewhere in the world, somewhere in the English-speaking world, and he's got two guests on, and you've got them in the boxes, right? Everybody's on Zoom. So you got the two guests, and he's um, and he's talking with one of them. So here you go. Sir, has wrecked, wrecked. You people and your colonial agenda, sir, has wrecked, wrecked the South, has wrecked the South, has wrecked the East, and don't, don't, don't sit here and lecture us. Don't sit here and lecture us, Mr. McAdams. We shut him down. stay with us. It's worth it. I'm not talking. It's the other guy who's talking. I haven't been able to say a word. Absolutely. The man has gone completely ballistic. And if he feels so strongly, he should go and fight alongside Ukrainians who are being killed. I have not... Dear host, I have not said a word yet. I don't know why you're yelling at me. No, I'm not yelling at you. I'm talking about Mr. McAdams. I'm talking about I Mr. McAdams. Mr. McAdams. I am Mr. McAdams. Oh. I am Mr. McAdams, and I haven't said a word, so stop yelling at me. Okay, sorry. I got that confused. I got that you confused. You're a guy who's going nuts, okay? I, not me. Yes, I got that. I got that. Oh, so that's that's a short version of it all the way around. Wow. So. It goes on. He yells at this guy. They get into a back and forth, and he yells at this guy for a very, very long time until the other guy finally is able to break through and say, you're yelling at the wrong dude here. I haven't done any. And then he apologizes for a very long time and brings it clear down to you. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, clearly. No, clearly. Clearly, I was wrong. Clearly. <laughs> yelling at you. You've done nothing. You are blameless. My apologies, None of this sir. makes any sense. Exactly. I said the opposite of what I meant for quite some time. It's not my best moment. I've been under a lot of pressure. (laughs) I actually tweeted that out and said, I hope I never make a mistake that bad on the air. I mean, he ranted and raved at this dude for so long. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I got that completely wrong. I was thinking of somebody else. Never mind. (laughs) Oh, boy. Man, we got something serious coming up next segment. It is so good. A captured Russian officer apologizing. And uh, I will tell you this. It is not one of those hostage video things. This gent is speaking clearly and clearly of his own volition with confidence and in detail about how he and his comrades have been misinformed. It's it's riveting. So uh, an outfit called the Bulwark is highlighting a strange quirk in the reality in which we now find ourselves. The American government is not at war with Russia in actuality, but American civil society essentially is. They write, some of the actions of these private individuals and institutions were predictable consequences of the U.S. and international sanctions imposed on Russia, but many others have arisen spontaneously. The uncoordinated reactions of people and organizations moved by their innate humanity to oppose Putin. So we're talking about all these different corporations, Visa, MasterCard, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Colas, all kinds of different companies. There's like a hundred of them that have joined in on pulling out of Russia. And let me throw in just a couple more, because I think the depth is is one of the interesting things. Warner Brothers isn't going to unleash the new Batman movie. Oh, yeah, Netflix. 
Renault, FedEx, UPS, Maersk, Bain, Boston Consulting, Apple, etc. Yeah, Netflix, Pornhub. All these YouTube, different, Pornhub. All these, yeah, Pornhub. They were Airbnb. One of the, Pornhub was one of the first companies to pull out. <laughs> if you go to Pornhub in Russia, you see the Ukrainian flag. Wow. Wow, I thought I'd never say this. Way to go, Pornhub. <laughs> Which is guilty of all sorts of horrible things right. in the past, and I'm well aware of that. The Bulwark, the Bulwark writes, this raises lots of interesting and difficult questions. How many of these institutions have thought about the long term? Will they keep up these restrictions indefinitely if the war in Ukraine becomes an indefinite occupation? Can the Russian government retaliate against American civil society? Does the American government have a duty to protect these groups from retaliation? even if, like the hackers, they violate American law. What happens if the foreign policy of the United States and the actions of these entities moving against the Russian conflict don't intertwine anymore? How vulnerable is the United States to this kind of treatment from Putin? These are all interesting questions. Wow, so yeah, these corporations have decided of their own volition, this will not stand, we can help, here's how we're going to help. Yep. But what if Putin sends somebody to bomb their outlet in Minsk? I don't know. I don't know. Or, or cyber attacks them. What happens when, when American business goes to war with a country outside of the government's plan? I also understand you can book Ukrainian Airbnbs and that money gets to the, the fight, which is an interesting thing. Stay with us. A lot more to come. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I was just looking at a uh, MSNBC story about our deployment of troops there in Latvia. So we got troops in Poland and Latvia and various places around there, man. The, the chance for this to spread is certainly there. Yeah. And it's almost always something unforeseen, unfortunate, bizarre uh, that causes, you know, these sort of conflagrations to spread but that's the nature of the thing uh if i might wax idiotic for a moment to expect the unexpected um <clears throat> so this is one of the most astounding things i think any of us have seen out of ukraine um you're going to hear the voice and i will read the uh the caption of a captured uh, russian soldier he is a big tough looking son of a gun i mean if he ran india in an alley as they say and said, we got a problem, you'd think, okay, here's where I die. He is a tough-looking man. And I will tell you, as I have watched this video, he does not give the slightest hint of having been frightened, compelled, uh, or whatever to say what he's saying in the video. He doesn't look like a guy that could be frightened or compelled. Yeah, there's that. Plus, he just, the look on his face, you can see that he is a thoughtful man. Uh, this is going to take a couple of minutes, and I'll try to get the uh, audio in a way that's uh, that's uh, not a distraction for you. Um, but uh, here's a captured Russian POW uh, doing essentially a press conference, which is against the Geneva Convention, by the way, uh, and I don't care, which probably makes me a bad person, but uh, here he goes. Some Russian captives told us that they thought people would welcome you here, says the reporter. Were you also told this? Sure. We were told that Ukraine allegedly, we were told this while we were in Russia, via media, that Ukraine is dominated. Literally, I'm 100% wrong now. Don't judge too harshly. 
we are told Ukraine's territory is dominated by fascists' regime. Nationalists, Nazis have seized power. Ordinary people need some help to get rid of this yoke, they told us. This was the aim. Obviously, this information was unilateral information. Of course, we have the Internet. Sometimes we get something from other sources. We could do a little analysis, but we had some doubts. We did not know the situation for sure. I personally, just when we entered this territory, when I watched the address of the professional boxers, your boxers, I think he's talking about the Klitschko's. Yep, yep, he is. Back home, I always loved watching them. Uh, Yusik and Lomachenko. They are my favorites. I mean that when I say it. These people are just ready to take arms. And, and they said, why didn't you call here? And I feel shame that we came to this country, to this territory. Ukraine's territory. This woman is, woman is just standing and crying. I feel shame. I don't know why we were doing it. We knew very little. We were too little in our thoughts. We brought sorrow to this land. Don't know how many, how much time is needed to purge everything. Is this redemption even possible? We will go to jail or whatever we deserve. We're ready for everything, but will it mean redemption? I feel sorry for people left in Russia. They are not guilty. Their guilt is that they are misinformed. Some do not even have the Internet. They have no chance to use something alternative. They are constantly brainwashed. They get this unilateral information that Ukraine is seized by fascists, etc. Maybe I really deserve to learn this lesson. Oh, Lord. So I could finally see and try to tell it to those who are in Russia. Maybe they do not realize really what's going on here. I'm frank with you. For those who would watch this video... You might think about me whatever you want, that I was forced, intimidated, or the text was prepared in advance. Whatever. He's gesturing quite. I'll give it to you straight. If someone came to my territory, I would do the same as these people did. And I would be right. And they are right now. While I have to sit here and offer excuses, I do not understand what I'm offering excuses for. My grandpa fought. I am here like a death squad member. This is my personal feeling concerning Russian armed forces. If they can hear me, guys, stand by, be brave. It's easier for me. I'm in this situation already. You're in a tense situation. Going against your own commander. But this is genocide. These people are just killed. 
Ukrainian people and we as Russians get our for invading foreign country. This is right. From the one hand, this is not right. From the other, this is right. From Ukraine's side, this is right. From Russia's side, that's wrong. Russia cannot win anything here anyway. Mm. All the variants are obvious, and, and it goes on for quite some more time. This guy is gesturing, he's thinking, he's rubbing his beard. He is absolutely speaking from his heart. Unless he's some sort of master intelligence service propagandist, um, which I doubt very much. But his stuff about my grandpa fought, and here I am. I'm the death squad that he fought against. Um, unbelievable. So how successful can a military be, Russia's military, that's got people like that? And how many of them feel that way? I mean, what what information did he get to come to that conclusion that some of the other soldiers aren't getting? Or they're all, or they're getting it, and they don't have the. I hate to even say courage because acts like it would be an easy thing to do to all of a sudden defy your commander. You'd have to, uh, you'd have to um, leave your country. Mm-hmm. Um, you're never going back to Russia, at least as long as Putin's in charge. You'd right. have to try to get away from your unit without being shot from behind as a deserter. So it wouldn't be easy. But I wonder how many of them are aware of what they're up to at this point. Well, I think I think increasing numbers are increasingly aware as they move from the propaganda they were fed uh, in Russia and as they moved out to the reality in the streets that it's not a Nazi regime. They're not being greeted as liberators. The, the whole of the people, I mean, you've got uh, school teachers and accountants and moms and grandpas firing at you. And, and when it moves into the cities, when it's true, uh, you know, urban warfare in Kiev, they're really going to know how the populace feels. And I think you're going to see some huge widespread disillusionment among Russian troops. How significant that is, I don't know. I suspect that's one of the reasons they've moved from a, a an armored blitzkrieg model to a shelling from a farm mm. model. I, right. I think the dissension among the troops might be more than we can possibly you know hear about. Well, I mentioned last week that the the most popular TV show in Ukraine right now every evening is um, Russian soldiers uh, being humiliated and talking about how wrong they were and how embarrassed they are, et cetera, et cetera. Embarrassed is probably too light a term, but... Well, and can you reset that whole thing about Russian moms you mentioned earlier? Uh, In Afghanistan? Yeah, so I was unaware of this for some reason, but one of the big turning points... Russia invaded invaded Afghanistan in the 80s, was there for almost 10 years, had 15,000 dead and left with their tail between their legs. But one of the reasons politically that they finally got out of Afghanistan was the political movement that was known as Russian moms. It was all the moms of these soldiers that were being killed and wounded who rose up as a uh, an entity against against the Soviet Union. And um, this could happen again. That's why, and I didn't understand this till I heard this, this is why they're having all these soldiers call home to their moms. That's why it's such a popular thing if you... If you're able to apprehend a Russian soldier, you get on the cell phone and you have them call their mom. Tell them what's going on there so you can have Russian moms once again with this war play a role. 
Yeah, it reminds me of the the movement of the mothers of the disappeared in Central America during those horrible years of war between far right unforgivable regimes and far right communist uh, guerrillas and the rest. Uh, sorry, far left communist guerrillas. That was such a a, a lose lose. But um, I mean, you think you're a heartless dictator, then you go up against grieving mothers, and the picture that paints for your people. What are you going to do to grieving mothers? Well, we played the clip earlier, Richard Engel of NBC News saying Putin was the angriest he'd ever seen him yesterday in his little speech he gave about the Nazis in Ukraine and all that crap. So has he convinced himself that it's true? I mean, does he believe it's like he's actually taking out Nazis and rescuing the Ukrainian people? Does he actually believe that at this point? Or is he such a serpent that he can throw that on as an act? Doesn't make any difference to him. I don't know. Maybe he's just spinning more and more furiously, but it's it's difficult to know. But if he's a, as rationality gives way to irrationality, it's right. usually bit by bit. Please see, sure. uh, you know, the story of Hitler, et cetera. Or lots of Shakespeare plays. Yeah. Um, uh, That's a good point. As a cold, calculating serpent, you'd think he'd realize at this point there's no freaking way out of this. There's no way out of this that isn't disaster for him and for Russia. So what do you do when you make that realization? Well, the announce the, victory and pull back? The only option that would exist, yeah, he could do that. Um, we were talking earlier about the New York Times front page story from yesterday about how many Ukrainians are calling back home to talk to relatives that say, "No, no, 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 you're mistaken, honey. Putin isn't bombing. He's he's precision bombing Nazis. He's not bombing." They're calling Nazis. back to Russia. Calling back to Russia to their yeah. their relatives in Russia. Because mm-hmm. lots of Ukrainians have relatives in Russia, and they call back to Russia, and their Russian relatives don't believe the stories they're hearing over the phone. They believe right. the state TV, because that's the only information they have. Getting back to the soldier and what he was saying. Right. So maybe Putin could say, we cleared out the Nazis. Yay! We- This is a coordinated monthly test of the emergency alert system. Broadcasters... That uh, that brave Russian soldier right there, who feels like he's doing his duty now as a soldier... And by, as a Russian. As a Russian, by exactly, yeah. by telling the truth. I hope there's a lot more that think he, the way he does. I wish I had the quote handy that Mike Lyons had a week ago... It was a quote from Napoleon, but it had to do with how much more powerful a military that believes is against a military that doesn't believe in their mission. I mean, it's multiples. Hmm. And, I mean, you you can't get a more stark difference than the Ukrainians, who, who from the president on down say they're willing to fight to their last breath against a bunch of Russians who are saying, what the frig are we even doing here? Anyway, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. We will finish strong. Armstrong and Getty. 
There's a news report right out, out right now about a secret airfield in Eastern Europe where we're funding weapons into Ukraine. Funding. That's not the right word. Uh, slipping. Whatever. Uh, getting weapons into Ukraine from there and uh, we're keeping it unknown so that it doesn't get bombed, etc., etc. We have sent 17,000 anti-tank missiles and 2,000 Stinger anti-aircraft missiles. You wonder why Russian planes aren't flying? Because every freaking soldier in Ukraine's got a Stinger missile to bring bring down their planes and helicopters. Wow. And when it does t- come time, God forbid, for urban warfare in Kiev, for instance... How many of those anti-tank missiles are stashed away in the basements of apartment buildings and stores right. and wherever else, just waiting? So I was trying to find that uh, that Napoleon quote you referenced from Mike Lyons. I'm not sure I found it, but uh, dude could fashion a quote for all of his Bonaparte yeah, since yes, that Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, not, not dynamite. dynamite. <laughs> I won. I got to it first. Um, Lucky. Uh, <laughs> That's a good quote. Wow. Um, and, and I'm not sure I found it, but boy, he could spin a quote. Here are a couple of the ones I found that I, I appreciated. And and think, if you will, about uh, Volodymyr Zelensky as you hear this. If you build an army of 100 lions and their leader is a dog, in any fight, the lions will die like a dog. Ooh. But if you build an army of 100 dogs and their leader is a lion, all dogs will fight as a lion. Wow, that's pretty good right there. Holy cow, I got chills. That's pretty good right there. Yikes. Yikes. And this uh, this may not have been what you're talking about, because the quote had to do with the, how people fight when they're defending their homeland or... Fighting for a cause versus not. Uh, well, Bonaparte said, there are only two forces in the world, the sword and the spirit. In the long run, the sword will always be conquered by the spirit. Yeah, well, I hope that's the case in, in this in this war. Putin's got the sword, but by God, Ukraine's got the spirit, and they don't show any signs of giving up ever. And we're giving the people with the spirit lots of swords. Good point. There's already an Elvis of Trotsky now presenting Armstrong and Getty. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. We're back to full strength, and let's begin in the control room with our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael, final thought? I agree with you guys. Um, Don't let Russia know what you're not going to do. Keep your enemy guessing at all times. Yep, I agree. Indeed. That's the way Michael keeps us under control. We never know when he's going to cut our mics, for instance. Uh, Young Alex, our behind-the-scenes producer, back from Lost Wages. Alex, final thought? Uh, It was a good time. No worse for wear. I just wanted to thank the gentleman who put it together and took me out there. They treated me like a king, even though I deserve no more than a jester. So, thank you, gentlemen. Excellent. I spent an entire week in Vegas. I had to come back with an eye patch and a wheelchair with a colostomy bag. (laughs) Oh, Jiminy, what happened? Uh, Jack, final thought for us? I became a parent 12 years ago today. I cannot remember not being a parent. I mean, it has <laughs> it has transformed my view of the world so thoroughly. I can't remember, honestly, what it's like to not be. I'm proud of my son, Sam. We're going to do some celebrating later today. Yes, I need to talk to my kids about using F-bombs with Grandpa on Zoom calls. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's just, it's 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 common a word is, yeah, you know, yes, no, yep. and, and tomorrow. It's the but, damn uh, and hell of their generation. Right, exactly. Yep, exactly. Uh, my final thought, I will cede to the little man from France who wasn't actually that little by historical standards at all, Napoleon Bonaparte. 
Once you've made up your mind, stick to it. There are no longer any if or but. Hmm. Unless you realize you've done something stupid, then there's plenty of ifs and buts, and you probably ought to wake up and course correct. Yeah. That's the problem with saying. Double down <laughs> on bad ideas? I don't know. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You'll find uh, some great A&G swag there. You can get the podcast. You missed part of the show. You want to hear it? Pretty good show today. Grab it, armstrongandgetty.com, wherever you get podcasts. And email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. What's your point of view on the Ukraine thing? That was a pretty good show. I give it a solid seven and a half. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. Oh, my God. This show has everything. Because I know the whales. I'm very popular with the whales. I do great with whales. They're locking up my toothpaste. It's, it's really serious. We must together work together to see where we are. No. No. That's not what I was told. Just forget it. Yeah, I don't think so. It's a little too much docky dog. Get out of here, you moron! You hippie! <laughs> so I haven't said a word, so stop yelling at me. Okay, sorry. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.